The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. We're back for another week thanks to the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate your home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. Thanks to everyone who got involved in last week's episode. Uh, and the state of Australian number eight certainly got the keyboards chattering away. Um, and on that, we want you to be involved. So if there's a question or an issue that you want us to tackle, then leave us a comment under the new episode page every Wednesday on the Roar and wherever you get your podcasts, of course. Joining me once again, uh, but not from the great state of Texas this week, coming to us from the Paris studios of the Raw Rugby Podcast. It's a very warm Bonjour to my enthusiastic co-host Harry Jones. Hello, mate. Bonjour, mon ami Brett. How are you? <laughs> oh, we, oui, we, oui. Monsieur. What, um, what, uh, what puts you? I didn't know that the podcast had a Paris studio, mate. What, what takes you to that part of the world? Yeah, it's it's not a very big budget office here in Paris. Uh, I think I'm under the the Tuileries in the Louvre. Actually, it's funny about Louvres. Uh, Europe has solved most problems in the world except for uh, toilets. They're very scarce, as you know. And if you go in a public toilet, for example, under the Tuileries, you are asked, asked a question which is very existential. French questions tend to sound existential. Uh, monsieur, poupou or pupi? And depending on your, your answer, you actually have a different uh, charge. So it's three euros to poupou, but you get a stall and you have privacy. And then if if you uh, say pipi, then you get one euro on your standing. And it's at these times that you suddenly have to make a decision. So I said poo I went. And then sometimes you're not successful and you wish, hey, can I get my two euros back? Because uh, I didn't complete the task. <laughs> so I was wondering, World Cup next year, one million visitors. Are really we going to have a bunch of Kiwis and Aussies and uh, Argentinians having to declare their intentions before they go poo-poo or pipi? So this is France. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not the start I was thinking we were going to, <laughs> we were heading for. It's got to be the worst job in the world, too. <laughs> it might be the best. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't. So you have to pay to use a public but bathroom. You decla- yes, but you declare your intentions and you're then <laughs> put into two different lines and it, it feels like a heaven or hell question, like the pearly gates. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's that may be the best the best opening banner we ever do. It really it really might. Look, this weekend saw another mostly predictable weekend of Six Nations in the North with wins to France and England and Ireland. While in Super Rugby, we saw wins to the Crusaders and South Island Derby uh, and Queensland hold out New South Wales on Friday night. On Saturday, the Brumbies were too good for the Fijian and Drua. The Blues capitulated in the face of the Hurricanes and the Force notched a pretty good bonus point win down in Melbourne. And of course, Moana Pacifica's competition debut was again put on hold. But Harry, there is lots to talk about. Um, there's been lots to talk about and there's so many questions already. But let's get into it. The Raw Rugby Podcast. 
I mentioned last week that we wanted to get a New Zealand presence into the third chair this week, and the junior producers and interns have once again produced the goods. He's a prolific author with four books in the last three years by my count, the most recent being last year's The Hundred Years' War, outlining a century of rivalry between the All Blacks and the Springboks. He's also a freelance rugby writer and commentator, predominantly for RNZ over there in New Zealand, uh, and also the pop culture and political site, The Spin-Off. Please welcome to the Royal Rugby Podcast, Jamie Wall. G'day, mate. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you, Brett. Thanks very much for having me on. And um, Harry, there's just some wonderful info on the uh, the toilet situation in France. Um, <laughs> you know, a year out from the World Cup, this is this is the sort of stuff we need. You know, uh, my, you know, having covered the 2019 World Cup in, in Japan, you know, uh, the, the toilets were a big, big talking point. So, <laughs> more information, more information we can get, um, the better uh, before we get there. I, I'm just I'm just stunned that um, that the, the podcast has thought to do a, a pre World Cup toilet and bathroom recce. I think that's a that's a service <laughs> beyond services. <laughs> well, the Japanese toilets are uh, the best in the world. No, they heat, they talk to you, they give you a massage. Oh, I, I miss them every day. Uh, I think about the <laughs> Japanese toilets. Um, <laughs> you know, I have to I have to say though, it took it took a few goes to work it all out. You know, put the butch buttons to press and everything. But once I got it going, man, I yeah, a real actually to be honest, highlight of the World Cup. You know, obviously as a New Zealand, it's all, you know. and it pretty pretty much in one one instance that describes the difference between Japan and France. You know, like that one yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah, anyway. So let's rip into this. What stood out to both of you um, this weekend, just going across the uh, across the world of rugby? Um, Harry, lead us off. Uh, so Super Rugby, I think we still see the big all-black stars coming through. Artie Savaya, Savaya looks like he's just unbelievable. Mm. Um, there's no need for him to hurdle tackle tacklers. He just sheds them, you know? Uh, Jordy Barrett is banging them over. Will Jordan is gliding and sliding and eliding. Bro, Big Brody looks good. I guess Shannon Frizzell might be my one that I, th- I think really stands out right now, having that good rage that I think the All Black Pack needs. Um, and then I'm, I'm very interested to see what uh, Jamie thinks about the tight five. But I do st- I think Oli Yager and Alex uh, Hodgman are two young props or you know, up and comers that they might need. What, uh, what about you, Jamie? What's what's stood out um, on your side of the ditch this weekend? Yeah, well, from a Super Rugby point of view, we had two pretty pretty similar games um, happening, mm. um, both in the same stadium, of course, because we're still dealing with a little COVID situation over here. So they both played in full South Bar Stadium, which, to be fair, uh, if you're going to play games in New Zealand, that's probably the best place to do it because mm. it's uh, got a roof and you know, real reliable track that generally produces good games. Um, and we saw on Friday uh, a game that uh, where the Highlanders, who weren't very fancied at all in that, um, showed really how good they could be in the first 20 mm. minutes. Um, uh, and I think that that's, that gave a lot of people, a, a lot of people something to think about. Um, and uh, still, though, the Crusaders really showed their class and, you know, ran away with it at the end there. But I think what we saw out of the Highlanders was that after that disappointing first week loss to the Chiefs, that they are a much better side than that. Um, and then on Saturday night, just absolutely crazy game with the Blues should have, mm. you know, put it put it to bed with 15 minutes to go and just fell asleep. Yeah. Um, the last 10 minutes. Uh, 
I think you got to give a bit of credit to the Hurricanes, um, though. Um, and like what Harry said, uh, there have been some really good performances out of um, some key All Blacks early on in the season, and a few guys that are probably knocking on the door uh, at the moment. You, you've you've touched on the 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 Blues uh, the Blues Hurricanes finish, and regular listeners to the podcast and readers of the Raw will know that me and the Blues is a love hate relationship. They let me down regularly and mercilessly and and there's nothing I can do to fix it and so it was absolutely unsurprising to me that the Blues would lose a game like that in the last in in the last few minutes they'd played well they'd done the hard work but the Hurricanes like you said Jamie they just did enough to hang in and then bang bang well bang bang and, and they win it they win a game that you know maybe 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 most people didn't think they were going to get to no, no, not really at all. I think um, I've spoken to more than a few of uh, my friends who um, watched that game who flicked it off with ten minutes to go because it was yeah. That's in, been a, it's been camp. a common it's been a common um, comment on this side too. I could say yeah. So uh, a lot of people were having, having to watch it the next day. It, it was a really it was a really disappointing loss from Blues perspective, given how much hype. Um, has been on them with good reason too, because their, their squad is absolutely stacked and they've, they've managed to make yet another big signing uh, in Roger Tuivas Shek, who mm. uh, started at second five um, oh, and so center uh, for them and was, was looking like absolute dynamite um, for most of the game. Mm. Um, and that first half, I think the Blues really did show uh, that you know, they, they, they're capable of playing some really dominant rugby. Yeah. Um, they're not just going to sit back and collect kicks and wait for their opportunity. They're they really going to take the game, the opposition. And it's something the Blues have kind of been missing mm. uh, over the last, well, 18 years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so, so to see them just capitulate at the end like that, it was like, oh, man, we've been talking to you guys that like we want – you know, I'm from Wellington. I was supporting yeah. Hurricane myself, but I, I we want the Blues to do well. There's a lot of goodwill towards them. Um, there's a lot of goodwill towards uh, Roger Tuivas Sheik as well. He he'd made the switch from Union. Um, he hadn't been able to play at all last year for Auckland in the MPC because of the COVID situation. Um, they'd had a couple of preseason games called off, so this is a really long-awaited debut for mm. him. And then he finally gets on the field, and he looked great. And then he plays a part in them just chucking yeah. it away at the end as well because yeah. he was the one that missed that tackle yeah. uh, right at the end there. Um, so, but he, I mean, was, I'm uh, going to say, yeah, Jamie, you on the on the RNZ, you put that you you pointed out that he was focused on 39 year old Ben May coming down yeah. the tram line. Yes, and not 20 year old Balen Sullivan who was looming <laughs> up on the on the outside of him. Um, so you know, a bit of a missed defensive read there for him but I will cut him some slack there he was definitely not alone uh, out there because good. it seemed like all of the blues were just falling off uh, all of their tackles and seemed to have no interest in defending for, the, for that whole last 10 minutes so it was just a really really annoying way for them to lose because it mm. was like they've got all the pieces there but they just don't have that killer instinct and and the uh, comparison with the, what the Crusaders had done the night before, where they were in a bit of trouble against the Highlanders, you know, a team that was, you know, had showed up and was playing a lot better than a lot, pe- a lot of people thought they would, where they managed to get their act together in the second half and pull away and win quite comfortably. It kind of shows how the difference between a team that's used to winning and a team that mm. isn't. 
it, it also might show the difference between the Canes and the Landers, though, because I think the Canes can do this to other teams as well. Uh, that's two weeks in a row they scored, I think, three tries and then in the, in the final quarter. Um, so I don't. And the raccoon was on the on the bench against the Blues, um, so it wasn't even relying on Jordy. Yeah, um, for me, the the attack of the Highlanders is a little bit suspect. Aaron Smith is throwing darts, but they're throwing it's going to nobody who can break game line consistently over the match. So I think, uh, yeah, the Highlanders are going to have to find something. I think mm. the, the Blues oh, are fascinating. Say, aren't they, Jamie? They, like you, you wrote that. You wrote that great piece for for um, for RNZ in in reaction to the to the Blues Canes game, and and, and you're right. Your you, you theme was that you know it doesn't matter what you do for 70 minutes if you can't finish games off. And the it's 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 really interesting that you bring up Roger Tuivasa-Shek and and the Warriors and their ability to steal defeat from the jaws of victory so often as they did through the NRL. Um, it's yeah, it's. It, it feels like in Australia, particularly with the with the NRL media, it feels like they're taking a a token interest in Super Rugby this year because they've all got these stories on RTS ready to go get him in the All Blacks now. See, we told you how good he'd be. We told you he'd walk in, <laughs> and it just felt like at that point, and they were ready to hit it. They ready, and they went, "Oh, let's just put that one away for a week." League. <laughs> well, I mean, if any of those people are listening, I. I I don't delete those files just yet. No. Because like I said, no. he looks in the first half like a guy who really knew what he was doing. You know, his popping yeah. offloads, his combination with Rico Yuani outside him looks like it definitely wasn't their first game together. That that obviously we've done a lot of chat and knew where each other was going to be. Mm. Um, there, there, there's probably, yeah, like a bit of a question mark over the defense because Rico isn't uh, sort of really known for his defense, which is a little unfair. Um, but uh, I think chucking those two together when the game was really on the line, I thought they might have made a, a change at the end there. I was surprised to see Rogers still out there at the 80-minute mm. the mark. Um, I thought that he'd definitely done enough to sort of walk off and have everyone pat him on the back and say, hey, yeah, great start to your career. But I think that, I think that in the weeks um, coming up, we're going to see him refine those rough edges off his yeah. game even more. So uh, I... I, I I, I'm pretty sure getting in the All Blacks is part of the deal he signed um, to come over here, much like Sonny Bill Williams' deal was. Um, so I'd be highly surprised if he didn't make it into the All Blacks at some stage this year and that the NRL media over and over your side of the ditch uh, can publish their very gloating articles uh, all about <laughs> yeah. that. Were you, were you surprised that they slotted him straight into 12, straight into first five? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the general consensus over here was that he would have started out on the wing and moved mm. his way in, or perhaps even fullback, uh, because the last time he played rugby union back at high school, that's that was his position. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was definitely that raised a few eyebrows. That one because um, I think the logic behind it was we just want to get the ball into his hands as as yeah. fast as possible, which you know worked for a lot of that game so what's the general view on on super rugby pacific on in, in new zealand this year because we in the weeks leading up to it we saw some really curious articles and columns being being written by people that have covered rugby for a long long time and it seemed to be oh, i don't know almost criticism for the sake of criticism with no real 
you know, standing or founding to it. What, what's where's the where's the competition sit at the moment? Yeah, yeah, fickle. I mean, I think when you read New Zealand um, media articles about rugby in general and it's critical what you're actually reading is criticism of New Zealand rugby union. Yeah. And that it's being used as a conduit to have a crack at, um, at the governing body, which, which for the most part they deserve. Um, they've got a long history of mm. making bad decisions. Um, I think the situation we're finding ourselves now in where the teams had to go to Queenstown was like another one, um, which they should have, you know, without having to go, go on too much about our, our situation over here, like it's something that they should have made a, made a plan to deal with late last year, not yeah. two weeks in advance, um, because it just screwed everyone up. And um, what you're finding with the with all of those those articles was people who couldn't travel to be with the teams and, and attend games because you know everything got thrown up in the year. Um, I think a lot of the sting of the uh, competition, the excitement of the competition, got taken out when. Yeah, it essentially just became what we had last year, which was Super Rugby Aotearoa followed by Super Rugby Trans Tasman. Yeah, that it's essentially the same thing again yeah. this year. And you're starting off with all the games that we look forward to over here, which is the other team playing each other. And it's gonna the back end will be games against Australian teams, which I look forward to. But uh, over here, they're not seen as like the big draw. Games, mm. so there's going to be a big lull in the competition. So I think that I think that when you read read those critical articles, it's just because of people just saying like, "This could have been handled a lot better." This this whole this whole situation. Yeah, uh, I think I think some of that's a little unfair. You know, like over here, we don't know what's going to happen kind of next week. We've got a much clearer picture of it now, so I think that the planning can go ahead and um, we'll be able to get Aussie teams over and back without yeah. quarantine so yeah it's it's but it's been a tough it was a, it was a tough run in because mm. um the the level of hype around it was was severely compromised by the uncertainty that yeah. we, we felt and and playing in front of you know empty seats down in down in Dunedin or um, you know or a dozen blokes outside the fence in Queenstown Harry as we've talked about it a couple of weeks just sort of <laughs> takes it takes it takes a bit away from it doesn't it yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then you have uh, the and then you have the Moana Pacifica situation as yeah. well. And everyone was excited and looking forward to them play. And then it's like their whole situation couldn't their whole start to the season couldn't have gone worse. Yeah. Um, so there, there was that as well. Yeah, I think that the the advent of the Drua and Moana, we were looking for a lot more spice from that. So that's been mm. one of the letdowns. But I still think it's better to to think of these two things as pods. I mean, I'm not I don't think Traz Tasman is going to be very good for the Aussie teams. And that's not because I think there's not green shoots. Um, uh, I think the beginnings of some really good forward play in Australia, I, I think that. But you look at this New Zealand rugby, the derbies, and it's just rhythm and cohesion. And the, the Kiwis are, they, they cohere, you know, it's, uh, it's patterns. And for me, when I watch even the good teams, uh, Brumbies, Reds, the Mighty Mighty Tars, they're not really spoiling or or splitting the ball or smashing it or undoing it. And I think that's what works against Kiwi teams, you know, the Irish, French, South African way, which is to spoil things and stop it at source and smash the strong part of the rock, hit guard, find holes just around the, the, the rock. So I'm a little worried that it's just going to be continuous rhythm 
where Aussies try to outdo Kiwis at Kiwi Bowl. But I do think that it's fun to watch the Mighty Mighty Tars come back. And it's funny how one, uh, one and one Waratah team always seems better than a two and oh, uh, Reds team. <laughs> Just judging from Australian <laughs> press. <laughs> you know, there, there's a very intriguing uh, next few games. Like the Waratahs Brumbies, I think, is, is going to be, mm. will, will tell us a lot more, just like the Chiefs versus the Blues. Uh, I don't know how Jamie thinks, but I think the Chiefs Blues are really going to tell us quite a lot about those yeah. two teams. Well, that leads us on to what is coming up this weekend. So let's take a look ahead. Rugby on the Raw. Guys, it's almost a case of take three for Moana Pacifica. We're hoping they can get on the field this weekend. Already we've heard uh, the Fijian and Drua um, on Tuesday have announced that they or did announce that they are moving their game that was going to be played in Brisbane this um, this Friday night. That's going to go up the road, up the highway to the Sunshine Coast. Um, Jamie, what's the e- expectation there? Uh, Moana Pacific are back training and everything. It, it, it's it's all systems go for them. But then, are we going to see crowds in New Zealand this weekend? Um, no, because of uh, the Moana Pacific game uh, as of today is, is uh, against Crusaders is definitely going ahead. Um, they've, they've managed to sort, sort that out. Well, um, I think a lot of that's to do with some changing regulations that we have in New Zealand here. Yeah. Uh, but that game is still getting played um, down in Dunedin. Uh, and um, Yeah, and then there won't be any fans. Um, and for that one, we're probably not going to see crowds back in. I, I can't see them being back in for at least another month. Uh, oh, wow, at, at all, at all. Yeah, I, I I I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Um, yeah. But then again, they opened they opened the border uh, like a month before everyone thought they would. So you know, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, uh, it was like I alluded to before the minor Pacific season, which was already under a lot of pressure anyway, mm. couldn't have possibly got off to a worse start. I actually attended the only game that I've played so far that preseason game against the Chiefs, where they. Uh, lost by 54 points and mm. didn't really fire a shot at all. And it was like, oh man, is this is going to be as bad as we we're all thinking it's going to be? Because they were severely hamstrung um, last year because the other super rugby teams in New Zealand have made no secret of the fact that they don't want, they didn't want another team because mm. um, it would stretch the talent pool too, too thin. And, and you, there is a lot of merit in what they're saying, because yeah. if you look at one Pacific squad, it's not exactly full of household names at all. No. I mean, there's a lot of guys who wouldn't even be making starting sides in NPC mm. teams. Um, so, you know, I'm fearful for what will happen to them at the hands of the Crusaders. Um, but at least, you know, it's getting on the field. Um, the big the big thing for them was not so much what happened on the field. It was gonna, what was going to happen off. It was how much of a fan base they could build in the first first season and the fact that there's no crowds and the fact that there's therefore no marketing and mm. and things like that is just is an absolute killer for them. So it's going to be a real uphill battle um, um, for them. Like uh, keeping the Crusaders under 50 would be a, like a really positive result. Yeah. For them. Give, give them the bonus point there, you reckon? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Oh, we've got a we've got a great question on on the site from um, uh, from Jez, and he actually asked this before round one, but it's a question that's worth. I think it's actually me- more meaningful now that we're a couple of rounds in, and I, and I'm keen I'll be keen to hear your your thoughts, Jamie, on on your side of the ditch. His question was simply that, for a bit of fun, given that we're going to a final eight, who doesn't make it 
Like, who are the four teams that don't make it? Harry, you can can kick us off. What do you What do you think for now? Uh, Drua, Pacifica, the Rebels, who I call the Ripels because they repel yep. rugby knowledge, and the Centrifugal Force. Oh, the Force, righto. I don't see the length of the season being kind to the Force. I, I see them being a nuggety, stubborn side, yeah. but I think in, in, in the tail end of the season, I think it's going to be too much. Yeah, and and they they having just arrived back in Perth this week, and 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 the the COVID situation in Western Australia is not quite as uh, as extreme as it's becoming in New Zealand, but it's um, that could well be a consideration. Jamie, you got some thoughts on that? Oh, if you're talking bottom four, I mean, um, well, you're an Aussie, you, you know more about this than I would, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamie, look at look at. It seems like we're running out of time, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, but uh, I think I, I, I'd probably agree most part with what Harry said. I mean, obviously mm. the draw and minor Pacific are uh, probably going to be holding up the bottom of the table there. And um, uh, the Rebels as well, just because yeah. the Rebels. Uh, interesting you said the Force, because I'm sort of liking what I'm seeing out of mm. them with 55-year-old 50, Richard Kahui out there <laughs> still... <laughs> Still going. Does it does it, does, uh, it, does it amaze you that he's st- not just still going, but he's still playing some genuinely good rugby at the moment? Oh, I I think this is the, one of the greatest rugby miracles of all time because if you <laughs> look if you look back at his his Chiefs and All Blacks career when he first came on the scene, you know, a mm. million years ago, he was known as a, as a injury prone mm. guy who was like made of glass who who would miss more games than he played. Um, so for him to have somehow become as durable as he is to be still going out there and yeah, like you said, playing really good rugby right now, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's astounding yeah. for us. And he still looks great as well. The mm. girls still absolutely love him over here. If anything, <laughs> he's gotten better looking because he's, you know, he's got that, you know, gray bit yeah, because it makes him looking more distinguished. So I don't, I wouldn't, too. I wouldn't write off the force just yet. Um, I have no faith in the, Waratahs uh, at all. Um, I think uh, you know they're a team that's probably going to be good in about four years when all of their players, you know, <laughs> turn twenty-three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, they're they're definitely a work in progress, and they're going to be in for some pretty tough games once yeah. the um, New Zealand sides get over there. Is there is there a New Zealand team that? anyone is worried about like of, of the five um, the, Highland, the Highlanders for me I think the Highlanders worry me but then they're struggling what, I, to score I think I agree with what yeah. they showed about the Crusaders last last week they, they looked all right I wondered about the Hurricanes too at the start of the year but then you know if Artie Gasava is going to play like he is now I don't think there's any issue there at all yeah, yeah I, I I'd have to agree I mean everyone's always worried about the Highlanders they're always the you know mm. the scrappy underdogs um and yeah you're right Harry they the two get two tries in two games it's not great and, and super rugby is not a competition where you can rely on an accurate goal kicker to get you mm. you know up to the top the part of the table you want to be they will still make the playoffs because you know they're, they're good enough to finish within eight mm. um eighth place uh but i think that they just need a few more games to kind of get things clicking because i yeah. don't think tony tony brown's found the right combinations out there yeah. uh just yet yeah yeah it's an interesting one look um we 
need to wrap this up sooner, sooner rather than later. What are we what are we looking forward to in, in this week, this week, weekend coming around three? You can kick us off, Jamie. Oh, this Blues Chiefs game is going to be massive. Um, mm. There's two two teams that you know have a pretty strong rivalry uh, with one another, and this like All Blacks across the park uh, as well. So the Battle this, of the Bombay is always good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, not just uh, All Blacks cross about, but All Black matchups as well, like guys going from mm. the same same spots. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to this one. Um, I'm one of the few people who's actually going to be able to go to it, which is just kind of cool. So, um, yeah, that one, and uh, playing it in the afternoon as well. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, helpful. true. So that's 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 going to be great. Yeah, is that, is that one, is that one back at Eden Park or is it is? Yeah. It is. Yeah, cool, cool. Harry, what are you looking forward to? Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the magnificent Brumbies um, facing the mighty, mighty Tars. I think it's good matchups you're, there. At, uh, you're Prof really embracing the Waratahs, aren't you? You're really getting on there. Uh, I'm just reflecting the Australian uh, mood to talk them up <laughs> when they do anything good. Uh, number eight, number nine, good clashes between Brumby and Tar. Um, I think number 15 is also worth ticket. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the Blues need to win. I think they will win over the Gravel Chuckers. Um, and then um, the, I think the Reds force is interesting too because the yeah. Reds, um, they have to work on their set piece, right? But they're a happy team. They're a humble team. And I think it's, you know, the force is grim and tough. This is a nice matchup to see where the Reds are. Um, I think Rebels just send runners down uh, Channel 10, uh, Andrew, I get some confidence. Bash that yeah. guy. It looks like he's from 1955. I have no idea how they're going to tackle anyone if they send down the channel. And my question really is, this is actually from Rob on the, on the Roar, is did, um, did they need Mick Byrne as a coach maybe? I mean, the Rebels look like they've lost all skills and uh, it's kind of mm. sad. Which is, which is interesting because there's, the, their defense looks better. Yeah. Some, somehow their attack seems to have gone gone back yeah. so it's a it's a it's a curious one so no six nations this weekend uh the tournament concludes next weekend and the one after that and we'll look, look forward to try and have a bit of a special guest i think next week to harry try and work that out but i think we need to let jamie go he's been it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you mate really 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 appreciate you coming on oh no problem at all guys so, yeah yeah, well, Sorry, I wanted to say, Jamie, uh, I read your book, actually, The Hundred Years, uh, and it's fantastic. So you, this may be a, a perspective you never really had, but in 1981, the tour, um, obviously, you lived it in New Zealand. But as a guy in Cape Town where we had just won uh, 26 seats, the Progressive Federal Party had finally won 26 seats in the parliament, it was the highest point opposition of a non-racial, full democracy, eight seats in Cape Town. Weinberg, Seapoint, Constantia, Cape Town, all these places where I lived and campaigned, working for, uh, for Slobbert, the, uh, the, the leader. We were both anti, I mean, unbelievably anti-apartheid, mm -hmm. tear-gassed, blacklisted, listened on phones, and still liked the Springboks. It's weird, I know. Yeah. And we still had our heroes, right? We still had Rob Lowe, the very anti-apartheid guy on the tour. We had um, some really brave people that were saying these things. So it was a very interesting part of your book. I, I just want to say that, you know, for us, it was it was a wake up because our media was doctored. We didn't see a lot of the coverage until we finally, we were looking at like an actual protest, mm. bombs, flower bombs, you know, and it was actually a, an eye opener that sports and politics cannot be set, kept separate, which we know right now with Russia, 
is there is no way to actually keep politics and sports separate. And maybe that's good. Thanks, boys. The Roar. Great to have Jamie on board. You can find Jamie uh, on the socials as well. He's at JamieWall2 on Twitter. And be sure to check out his offerings wherever they pop up because um, he's a fantastic writer. Harry, as you've just um, bore witness this week on on route to Gay Paris. Yeah, he's actually a very, very good writer and we're so happy we had him on. Um, it's actually wonderful to hear the Kiwi uh, perspective, even though it must have been a little bit painful. <laughs> yeah, he got a bit... <laughs> got a bit scathing there at one point didn't he <laughs> but no fantastic to have him on and um and, and we'll have a, we'll keep we'll keep bringing um uh, a, good yeah, old, I, I, a, a good old range of guests through the uh, through the podcast um as the i do want to I, I do want to commend the book that he wrote um 100 years war uh, it's actually fascinating because he digs back into 1921 um uh, to the first actual series test series and what's interesting about you know sort of the the more things change the more things they'd stay the same. Uh, he was commenting in 1921 about the fluidity of the All Blacks and the, the movement in the backs and the big, gnarly springbok forwards. And it just felt like, okay, we're 100 years on. And yeah, things nothing's changed. changed. Nothing's <laughs> changed at all. No, a fantastic writer and, uh, and great to have him on. No Six Nations this weekend, as I mentioned. Super Rugby Pacific Round 3 uh, begins with the much-anticipated uh, debut of Moana Pacifica. They're hosting the Crusaders in Dunedin there, is, as Jamie said. The Fijian in Drua um, on Tuesday, as I mentioned as well, uh, announced that they were moving their game up the road to the Sunshine Coast Stadium. And then the Western Force played their first home game since last June, um, hosting Queensland over there in Perth. On Saturday, it's the Battle of the Bombays. As we mentioned, the Blues and Chiefs at Eden Park. That's followed by the Hurricanes and the Highlanders in Wellington, followed by the Hume Highway Derby, the Brumbies hosting the Waratahs down in Canberra. Harry, cryptic captains has survived another week, surprisingly, I must say, but popular demand says that they wanted it back, so who are we to judge? Last week, we learned about Tate McDermott's bird-watching habits and Scott Barrett's, well, hallway thuggery again. So let's find out what some Super Rugby Pacific captains would be doing if not playing rugby professionally. So tell me about Sakopi Kepu, the Moana Pacifica captain, spiritual leader. What would he be doing if he wasn't a rugby player? <laughs> I don't know why this comes to my brain, but when I see Sakopi Kupu and he's not playing rugby, I see him as a lounge singer. He, um, he's one of those lounge singers, though, that he's a little bit weary, so he doesn't stand up. He just sits down singing as you walk into your Hawaii on a, lounge. On a, on a and, stool uh, leaning against the mic stand, that sort of thing? Yeah, and, and the twist he has, Sakopi, is he pretends to be blind sometimes. <laughs> It's just his thing. <laughs> That's why he gets pinged so much at Scrum. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't wait to to hear what Michael Wells from the Melbourne Rebels would have been doing then. Michael Wells, probably the guy that I know the least. You know, so I have to really project here. But um, I'm thinking maybe he would be a Jesuit priest. I think uh, I, I can see him uh, running every day in a Cossack. He's the captain of the Jesuit rugby club. He carries a big log on his back. He drinks uh, like olive oil from a shot glass. Um, he's this guy, you know. All, uh, all this, all this certainly explains why, in post-match interviews, he's saying we've just got to get rid of this, this, this culture of excuses. <laughs> like he's his post-match 
his post-match yes. interviews, the last two losses have been scathing. It's it's quite incredible. It is yeah, quite so incredible. have you ever seen a Jesuit priest make an excuse? No. So this fits. There Thank you go. You. Fits, it fits. Artie Savia has been playing some absolutely incredible rugby, running running tries in from distance as we saw on the weekend. But what would he be doing if he was not a raging number eight and currently the all-black captain? Uh, for me, he would be a rapper and a wrestler and a human rights activist with good leg drive. Uh, I just see him as very gifted. <laughs> the best, very the best kind of human rights activists. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're going to have a human rights activist, then make sure you have leg drive because in, in the, the protest, sometimes the, the police push you back, you know? And um, I don't know. I think he has a good look. He has a good look for hip hop. He's definitely got the best try scoring uh you know air nowadays it's unbelievable. Oh, oh look if he's gonna score tries like he like he did on the weekend then then all power to him uh next week we're gonna launch wallabies watch and attention all blacks where we'll start throwing up a few names for the selectors all for free they can have them for free that's just the service that we provide here but that'll just about do us on episode three of the raw rugby podcast a massive thanks to jamie wall um just fantastic to have the the perspective from new zealand we'll be getting regular insights uh, from over the ditch through the season you can find harry and i on socials as well and don't forget that you can have your say and leave any questions uh, on the raw when the new episode page lands uh, on wednesday and through the week uh, and don't forget to check out another week of super rugby tipping where i promise you the Blues will not be spared this week. Uh, the pod's on all the major platforms now. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Um, and also please leave us a comment or rating or both, uh, whatever your platform allows us to do it. It's it's all very meaningful, I'm told. So it's the Raw Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. Come play with us. <laughs>